Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection. <laughs> and inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Mm -hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds and invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I, I listen to a variety. I can't even say it with a straight face. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. Nah. You can keep your elves and space operas. Someday we will read a space opera. Ew. Welcome to our podcast, You're Making Me Read What? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books. And each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? We'll see. We will see. We will see. So welcome back. It's been a little while. Oh, it's been so long. It's been so long. I've missed you. I've missed you, too. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, friend. Hi, friend who picks weird books. Hi. No, no. I'm the one that picks the good books. Okay. We've, we've been... We haven't done this in a while, but mm -hmm. I don't think that's right. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> the book we're discussing this month is fabulous. It's a little gem of a book. Okay, you can't say that. You can't say this book is fabulous. You're leading the audience. Oh, I learned that from you, dear heart, <laughs> as my grandmother would say. I just invoked my grandmother. Aw. Um, so it's Girl with a Pearl Earring by Tracy Chevalier. And I have read or listened to this book multiple times before. Oh, you're so put upon. <laughs> I know. And it's so to me, it is a it's a quick read. It's a yes. very short book. And for anybody who listened to a previous podcast knows that I I'm feeling kind of dumb in in the days of COVID. <laughs> I'm no. Yes, yes. Tired. I'm, you're tired. My brain wants candy. Yes. My brain does not want all these thinky hard books where bad things happen. Thinky hard books. Right. That feels like a new genre that we could introduce <laughs> at the library. Do you want something that makes your day nicer? Check out our thinky not hard books. Our non-thinky hard books. I That's mean, what, yeah. if we're thinking non-hard or non-thinky hard, we're going to let people choose whichever variation of that they want. True. Yeah. That's a good point. We're flexible in that way. <laughs> Even books like some of the past selections that I made yeah. – Rereading them, I was like, oh, too much brain power for right now. Just want happiness. So I picked this one, and guess what? It had a plague in it. Oh, yeah, I did. People died. People were blinded. There was molestation. So, yeah. Um, I suppose I have a little bit of a um, memory glaze that happened on this book. Do you want me to tell you the series that I've been rereading that you would love? Sure. Oh, okay. Um, you're not going to love it. But it's really good. So it's called um, the Iron Druid series. Oh, no. We have to stop. <laughs> That's for another day. By Kevin Hearn. It's really good. Okay, you can keep going. Because we're talking about Girl with a Pearl Earring today by Tracy Chevalier. Okay. And it's an old book. It was, it was published. 99? Yeah, published yeah. in 99. And um, it, to me, it is one of the things I love about it. It is uh, very visual. So her descriptions yeah. are very, very visual. Um, and she's incredibly concise with her language. There are not a lot of extra words. It's she delivers her message very clearly, beautifully, in my opinion, but concisely. And yeah. I think that that is extraordinarily difficult. So I appreciate the language, the use of the very um, 
what is it? Deliberate. Yeah, it was sparse. (laughs) Yeah, deliberate use of language. Yeah, she would have sections of the book that they clipped along really fast because Mm -hmm. the words she chose were compact and they were exactly what they needed to be and nothing more. And then it emphasized, you know, this is a book about an artist. Right. And so the parts that were about that and about the landscape and the community that they were in were much more rich. So I thought that kind of contrast was really nice that the parts that she wanted to emphasize had the space that they needed and the additional adjectives and adverbs, yep. but the rest of it didn't. Because it, it was a very quick, yeah. quick little read through. So yeah. it's, it's just as a quick uh, synopsis, it's um, a fictitious story about the Vermeer painting, Girl with the Pearl Earring. Mm-hmm. And um, Vermeer uh, was a Dutch artist who died quite young. He was only 42 or 43, and there are only 34 paintings attributed to him. Um, and he had moderate success during his lifetime. He became kind of obscure after his death and was rediscovered in the 19th century. Hmm. And his he's known for uh, use of light um, yes. in his paintings, as a lot of the Dutch masters were. And I had, I'm so lucky, <laughs> I had the fabulous opportunity in 1997 to tag along to um, the Netherlands with my husband when he was sent there for work. And so while he was working, I was just gallivanting about town, (laughs) and we were in The Hague. And that is where the Morris House, I'm saying it wrong, I'm sure. I'm not going to get it any better. um, Gallery is where Mm. Girl with Pearl Earring lives. And so so I know I've told you this before. I was Mm. an art major. Yes. And even before I declared my major, I was taking – um, an art history class, just one of the ones, like a prerequisite for everything. You had to take it. Sure. I and took art history as well. Yeah. So um, that was it, it was a survey class, and they condensed, <laughs> you know, two million years worth of art into a semester. You can do that. Yes. Yeah. And I looked back in my art history book. This painting is not even mentioned because wow. it was not one of his more famous ones at the time. Huh. So when I went to the museum, yeah. I, I – I was the only person in the museum that day. There, there may have been two other people there. It's that's it's weird. Like this right? sweet, yeah. It's like the sweet house, and it's uh-huh. it's a reasonable size gallery. It's not like the Louvre that takes you forever. It's too big to you know see everything. Sure. So it's this very intimate gallery, and I walked into the room where the girl with the pearl earring was. I don't think I'd ever seen it before. I I was totally unfamiliar with it, even after being an art major. And I w- walked in there, and she absolutely took my breath away. Oh. And she you. You walk in sort of the back of the gallery, so she's staring at you, mm-hmm. and it was magical. She's uh-huh. so beguiling, and I walked right up to her, and I was able to get really close to her and yeah. spend a whole bunch of time. And then when I got to the gift shop, she was everywhere. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> she's more famous than I knew. Other people like her, too. <laughs> so. so I have not been to the town that's name is not in Delft. my head, right? Delft. Thank mm-hmm. you. I was not going to say it right, nor did I remember it. Delft. I read this book like three months ago, so I'm <laughs> I'm lucky I have a general <laughs> basis of the plot in my head still. Um, so I haven't seen this, but I have seen uh, The Proprietus. The, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that's mentioned in the book. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have seen that one. That's the only Vermeer painting I have seen. I am not, uh, as I mentioned, I took one art class. Mm-hmm. I took the history of art survey, whatever general ed one you had to do for college. Right. And it was interesting, but it was not my thing. Sure. And there's just so much that you just kind of skim through it and you're like, oh, okay, that's there there they are. It's like how much can you cram into your head exactly. in one semester? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And but I did remember the proprietress and then I saw it in a gallery in 
Dresden in Germany. Oh, cool. And it was neat, but there was so much else. Because yeah. this was, it was, there was art everywhere. Yeah. So you kind of look at it and you go, oh, pretty. And then you move on. So that's how I can tell that I am not a great lover of art of any particular style yet, because <laughs> I was not like captivated. I didn't just sit there for an hour and look at it. I went, there it is. I know that. I have seen this now. <laughs> I'm going to see the next one. <laughs> so not to say that I don't appreciate art. It's just I maybe I haven't found my, my style yet. Sure. Yeah. Well, I am not one to go to museums um, because I'm usually overwhelmed by them. Okay. And so that's why this gallery was so appealing to me because it was intimate. Yeah. And I saw the whole thing, enjoyed it, and then got lunch. So it wasn't like a whole day that was dedicated <laughs> to something. My so. favorite art gallery I've been to was in Japan, mm -hmm. and it was a little one, and it was filled with cats. Not real cats, <laughs> just pictures and sculptures and paintings. And it was so weird and uh, quirky. Uh -huh. And it was just there, and I didn't mean to go there. I just stumbled upon it. That's right up and your there alley. It was. I know yeah. it was. I do like cats. I am, unfortunately, that type of librarian stereotype. The crazy cat lady. Yeah. Not crazy. But, uh, no, but, crazy. Not yeah. because of the cats. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so the, in, I'm getting us back to the book. Did you see how I did that? Uh, or I'm trying to do it? Yeah, good luck. Keep going. <laughs> so, so the story is about a housemaid named Greet, Greet. whose father is a uh, uh, tile maker, and the kiln explodes, and... Mm -hmm. Um, blinds him, and then she needs to start earning money. Yes. And so she becomes the housemaid for Vermeer because the guild takes care of its own, which I think is kind of a lovely thing. Um, yeah, she doesn't become a housemaid. She is told she's going to be a housemaid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. There's no choice, and she's yeah. only about 16, 16 when yeah. this happens. Um, yeah, she has no choice at all. Yeah. And um, she gives, Chevalier gives a little nod to the fact that Greet's family is Protestant and um, Vermeer's family. Actually, it's Katerina's family is Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, factors in mildly. It's not huge, but it yeah. just gives you a little flavor of the um, time. Yeah. And um, Protestant was the dominant religion yeah. in that area at that time, not yeah. Catholicism. Yeah. So um, she, co she goes to a household that's not real happy about having her, and he is very <laughs> um, quiet. Yes. And withdrawn and takes interest in her. Actually, he takes interest in her immediately because when he meets her at her family's house, she's making soup and she lines up all the vegetables in a circular pie shape um, by color. Yeah. And he is astonished by that and asks her, how did you choose this and why did you choose that? Yeah. And um, she's embarrassed, but she realizes that he actually digs it. Yeah, because he's an artist. He right. likes the color palette as well. Right. Yeah, so she, she goes to this house, and she's a housemaid for them for, I think, two years for the majority of the book. And she's able to go back and visit her family on Sundays, but otherwise she's there taking care of um, Vermeer and his wife, the wife's mother, and their inordinate amount of children. <laughs> I couldn't I, – I, by the end of the book, there's like 12 of them. Well, actually, um, Katerina Vermeer gave birth to 15 babies. Oh, my gosh. Um, mm -mm. I think 11 of whom survived early childhood. Okay. I just had one baby. Mm -hmm. And the one baby, that's good. I am I am set. That is, that is enough. Get um, ready for 10 more. No, thank you. The one baby. I just can't even fathom. So she's there and she's the housemaid and – Eventually, she starts uh, helping Vermeer with uh, like errands and grinding color powders and things like that, although his wife does not like that. Well, so one of the things that's interesting is um, Katerina is, is not sympathetic. You know, she's mm -hmm. kind of whiny. 
she's whiny and difficult, but yeah. she's also a little too big for her body. Like she doesn't, I mean, her body's too big for her. She doesn't yeah. really have good control over it. She's kind of clumsy. Yeah. Um, and she's very self-conscious about it. Well, she's pregnant all the time. Most of the time. The, yeah, all this that's time. That's true. Yes. Um, but even so. Yeah. She is clumsy. She knocks a knife off the counter yeah. in the very first scene of the book. Yeah. Um, and Vermeer kind of is like, uh, you can tell that he's used to this. Yeah. He's embarrassed by and for her. Yeah. Um, and so she's never respected. And she's got to know that. And yeah. then her mom, who lives with them. Maria. Maria Tins. Yes. She is conspiring with uh, Johannes. Mm-hmm behind Katerina's back. So both her mother and her husband, who should be her foremost yep. champions, are really kind of doing their own thing and keeping her in the dark in her own house. It's kind of sad. They are, but her mother her mother is doing it for a good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, her husband, um, Vermeer, is the only breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Greet can help him paint faster and sell better pictures to make more money to support their household, she going to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how little confidence both oh, yes. of them have in Katerina. And so that's got to snowball in itself. Yeah. You know, Katerina is depicted as being, um, you know, her job is to take care of this household, to have and these the children. children and watch them. And she is so tired all the time from being pregnant all the time and having all these babies <laughs> everywhere that she just she's exhausted and yeah. she's too big for her body, like you're saying. And she it, it does not seem like she's ever really given an opportunity to actually lead the household. Right. Like nobody taught her how to do it. And so she tries to play act at it sometimes and then it backfires. So the servants like um Tonica mm-hmm. um, and Greet are really doing everything and they just do what they want, really. Right. Because right. And they, they ask need her to. for permission in such a way that she's gonna give it to them. Yes. Oh, that's what you should do. Yes, do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. an awkward spot to be in, definitely. And then what about the evil mm. child Cornelia? <laughs> she's a naughty thing, that she one. She really is. She's an instigator. Yeah. Over the course <laughs> of the two years that Greet lives there. You know, she slowly transitions from most of her time being housework and a little bit of her time being kind of a painter's assistant to most of her time being a painter's assistant and a little bit of time being a housekeeper. And Cornelia, who's somewhere in the middle of this herd of children, um, Cornelia takes after her mother and can read the cues. And so she tries to make life unbearable for greet. So she breaks a comb for her hair and she tries to make it look that, like Greet stole something. Mm-hmm. And she's just a naughty, naughty little thing. Yep. Yes. And anytime something happens and she sniffs trouble, she ferrets it out. And then she she makes a situation so that um, her mom finds out. Of course. But she, but it, she makes it look like an accident. Oh, well, I, I can play innocent, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yes, I can. Yeah. She is really, really diabolically. She's a great character. Yeah. And, and you know, you love to hate her. Well, yeah, no, I just kind of didn't like her. <laughs> I don't know that I loved to hate her. She was there, and I was kind of irritated at her. So a couple of things that um, even the the very first time I read the book, because I have read it, and I've listened to it. Whoa! I know, both of those Whoa. crazy things. Whoa, that's how I can tell you really liked it. I know. Yeah. Um, is even the very first time the quote, only thieves and children run, <laughs> struck me because she's running through the square. Yes. Um, and I just love that. It's That's... That shows sort of the idea that you have to be um, – there's propriety, that you have to sort of 
give a nod to. Whereas adults run, you know, we exercise, we do all kinds yeah. of stuff. But in this no. time frame, no, you do thieves not. and children run, and that's it. Well, and that type of sentence structure is exactly the way she framed this book. Spare and tight mm -hmm. writing until it was something that needed to be expanded on. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So I do have to share because I looked up the author because yes. I do that. Uh -huh. um, born in D.C. I know. So a little bit of a local gal. And her father was a uh, photographer. Photographer for the Washington Post. Yes. And she went to BCC High School, uh -huh. which for you California girl is Bethesda Chevy Chase High School. Um, I did pick up the Bethesda part. Good. Wasn't going to ask about the rest. Sounded mm -hmm. like something you do with email. But I <laughs> I was going to just roll with it. And then she when she moved to London and went to college there. But my favorite, favorite part was before she became an author full time, she worked as an editorial assistant at the Macmillan Dictionary of Art. Nice. What a cool job. That would be cool. And then she moved on and worked for St. James Press as a reference book editor. Less cool, but still a good tie-in to what we do. <laughs> and she is currently a trustee for the British Library Board. Yeah, she's she's definitely yeah. a, I'm going to quote myself, thinky person. Oh, a thinky person. Okay, so she would not want to browse our, our stacks of books for the not thinky people. Well, she might. I mean, even thinky people mm -hmm. can want to be non-thinky at certain times in their lives. It's it's a state of it's like a okay state of mind. Okay, not an always. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy what you're selling. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna be honest. So I read the book like th three months ago or so before I went out on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't have a chance to record it. So right. I had to go back uh, today and take a look back at like a summary and go, oh, that's right. I want to talk about this. Oh, that's right. I want to talk about this. And when I read it, I've read this book before, mm -hmm. uh, but apparently did not remember most of it because <laughs> I read it again. I was like, oh, OK. Oh, OK. Um, kind of boring. OK. Yeah. I, and I, I think it was for me, it was just that there wasn't there wasn't a driver. So mm -hmm. the book happened. Mm -hmm. So Greet works for this family. Greet uh, becomes uh, an assistant to the painter. Uh, Greet gets thrown out at some point. Right. And um, then it's 10 years later and she goes back. Right. The, there was just no, like, there was no arc for me. Okay. It was, things happened, but I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. I, did, I, I just, there, there wasn't any culmination for me at the end. Right. So boring is not the right word, but it's close and I haven't landed on the right one yet. Okay. I think for me, what was most compelling was the tension between Greet and Vermeer. And hmm. they never, like, she actually, the one time he touches her hand because he's teaching her how to grind, use a mortar, yeah. mortar and pestle. Yeah. She drops what she's holding because it's so uh, scary that yeah. she has, and there's this electricity between them. Mm -hmm. And she's a young, I mean, she's 16, 17, and he's yeah. a married man. Yeah. Um, and so she knows all of that is wrong, mm -hmm. but it still exists, and so she has this reaction. And he is very interesting. I think Chevalier does a nice job because she does not give us very much about him. She gives no. very few hints to his um, psyche. Yeah. But the parts that you get are not very likable. He, he is, I was going to ask you about that, so go ahead. So he's – if we start with the conversation we have about his wife, Katerina mm – -hmm. He does not overtly support her uh, in running the household. He subverts her when he works with his mother-in-law to try and uh, bring greed on as his assistant and doesn't tell her. Um, he does not spend any time with his children. Right. Which was probably just as, 
what was happening at the time, but right, right. I noticed that as well. And he is so self-absorbed. Yeah. He's he's just not a very – he's a very focused artist. Yes. But it does not make him a likable character. Right. And the tension between him and Greet, um, it just felt weird to me because mm -hmm. there's also this other character in this book, an age-appropriate young man who wants to marry her. Right. And so she's doing things with him leading up to marriage. And it's fine there. Right. But then this electricity that she has with Johans is right. just too much. Right. So I don't I don't know. He just was not my fave. Yeah. You know? and, and I so I went back and forth about it because he was appealing to me from the mm -hmm. because he treats her like he's interested in her. Mm -hmm. You know, from the very beginning when, when yes. they're looking at the vegetables and why are you why did you put these colors together? Mm -hmm. And he gives her just enough feedback that she's thinking, okay, I, I, that wasn't wrong. Yeah. This is okay. And then – and he does a few things that show that he cares about Katerina, bring my wife some wine. And, sure. And so he does – I think he is respectful to everybody. Um, but you're absolutely right. He is so focused. Mm -hmm. And once – and and Greet even makes the point he was more interested in the painting of me than he was interested in me. Yes. And that's kind that's of an it. interesting – part to me and yeah. the the part that's so creepy is when <laughs> she finally is sitting for him and he makes her wear Katarina's earring yes and then he says you need to wear the other one and greet says but you're not you can't even see the other one and yeah. he says her head's turned but it won't be authentic and so it's clearly for him he is manipulating her yeah he's the only one with power so that's a like a creepy weird thing yeah. um it's his air quote artistic process exactly yeah I, I no, I just I liked Greet as a character, mm -hmm. and I liked her family dynamics. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was only able to visit them on Sundays, but the dynamic between her mother and her father, and the younger sister was not as involved and ended up dying of the plague. Right. And then the brother who went away to apprentice and then got kicked out of that and ran away. That was more interesting to me yeah. than the dynamic between um, the Vermeer family right. and her. I would have I would have enjoyed more about their backstory, like okay. what's what's happening with them. Right. And I think maybe it was just because I didn't have a lot of buy-in for right. him, um, so it just kind of washed away some of the other stuff. I, I can totally understand that. Yeah. I I also found Maria Tins to be an interesting character because yes. she's you know this kind of tough as nails, strong matron. old lady. Yeah. Um, and her um, her servant Tanika. Yes. Was interesting. Yes. Um, and she was. Easily swayed and manipulated, and Greet had her number from the very beginning, and that oh, was yeah. an interesting um, relationship to me. Yes, they were the. It was kind of an upstairs downstairs mm -hmm. vibe to it. That you know there are uh, levels of servants in this household, even though there were only two of them. Right, and that definition needed to be kept so that Tonica could. Uh, feel that superiority so that when the family that they work for is yelling at her, she has – it's that cycle of screaming. Yep. You've always got somebody below you to be mad at. Right. Yeah. That was, it was definitely interesting. I don't know that I would read this again. Okay. Uh, until I have forgotten all of it and then right. go, oh, I've read that at one point in time. I should probably read that again. <laughs> but it wasn't – I mean, it was it – was, it was fine. I have never it was watched short. I have never watched the movie either. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Hmm. Um, Scarlett, Johan Scarlett Johansson mm -hmm. and Colin, Colin Firth, Firth are in that, and I thought it was really, really well done. You know, sometimes I was a little nervous to see it because sure. I like the book so much. Yeah, books to movies are never 
as sure. hard as the book. Yeah. But because this book was concise, sure. they were able to actually flesh out the whole thing okay. in the movie. So I think that helped. And because the book was visual, it, it worked. Um, so I went and watched the trailer so that I could uh-huh. at least have some context. Yeah. And the trailer was um, very dramatic. There was a lot of, like, deep music and, like, longing glances. And <laughs> it was just funny because I, I had never watched the movie, so I had never, I had, never had the occasion to, to see any of it. And you watch it and you think, okay, okay, I can kind of see where they're going with this. They're trying to dramatize it a little bit more and, like, draw out that tension between Vermeer and Greets and... Yeah, maybe maybe I'll put it in my playlist. Well, I watched it when it came out. So if I watched it now, I might be whelmed by it. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Neither under nor over. Yeah, it could just Just be fine. The general whelming of it. But I do like both of those actors. So yes, me too. Yeah, you know. Well, you're gonna um, you're going to fondly remember the next book we're doing for our podcast. Fondly remember. Am I? You are. I know you're going to. It was really? so good. Yes, it was so good. I might actually reread that one again in advance. How much time do you have? Because that's a really – go ahead and tell me what it is first. <laughs> <laughs> so the book that we're reading next month, which we have both read already, mm. but we're going to go back and revisit in advance of the podcast, <laughs> is uh, City of Brass by S.A. Charbortney. And I'm not saying her last name right. Charbortney? C H. A letter letter B O U T Y, got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that out later because I feel like I should be able to do that part. <laughs> but it's, I knew at the outset you weren't gonna like this one, but it's okay because I wanted to read it and I wanted to make you read it. And it's different than anything we've discussed before. So it's it is definitely a fantasy novel. Okay. And it's an epic fantasy. There's three books in the series. I only made you read the first one. You're welcome. The last one was 900 pages. The fir- okay, go ahead. <laughs> the first one shorter than the last one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can see the look on your face. Nobody else can, but the it's love. Uh, yeah, the look says, "Oh, sweet, <laughs> sweet." Don't make me do that. Um, so the first book is about Nari, who is uh, a young girl. She's like an emerging adult. She's in her early twenties, something like that. And the the book is about her finding her heritage. She is in um, Egypt, mm-hmm. and um, she discovers that she is connected to the spiritual, magical world of the jinn. I love it already. I know you do. And um, I just, it's so different than anything I had ever read before in the fantasy genre because it's based on the Muslim religion Mm -hmm. and the kind of magic behind that and that's not my religion or my background so it was just really new to me Mm -hmm. and interesting interesting so i I already knew this was not going to be your cup of tea even (laughs) though we talk about how it might not be your cup of tea but i was hoping that you would come into it with an open mind for a five to six hundred page book that i made you read Hmm. huh so we'll talk about that one next month thank you for joining us You're making me read what? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, we'll see next month. Um, There are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. Join us next month when we'll be discussing City of Brass by S.A. Charbortney. Thank you. And keep on reading. And welcome back. Thank you. I missed podcasting. It missed you. I came back early just for this, but also (laughs) other things, but mostly for this. Keep on reading. Thank you, everyone.